I'm weird. You're weird. You're weird. That's so weird. Weird sister. Weird sister. Weird sister. I'm weird. I love the word weird, which is probably a good thing considering how frequently I've been tagged with this adjective. I like the way that weird sounds. Weird. 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 And I adore its red wine hue. My name is Cece Hart, and one of the weird things about me is I have synesthesia. I see all of my words in color, and weird is one gorgeous string of letters. The burgundy W followed by bright pink E, white I, ruddy R, and deep purple D. All of these colors swirl together into a wonderfully rubious word, weird. Just a quick note about today's Weird Sister podcast. There are some swear words, so if you're sensitive to that kind of language or if you have children with you, you may want to be aware. Thanks. I'm fascinated by the etymology of weird. Linguists believe that weird has its origins in the Proto-Indo-European languages that were spoken 7,000 years ago. It's hypothesized that wert, that's W-E-R-T, a Proto-Indo-European word meaning to turn or to rotate, morphed into the Proto-Germanic vertis, an Iron Age word from approximately five centuries before the Christian era. Word is means fate or destiny and is the root of the Old English weird, spelled W-Y-R-D, which means fate, chance, fortune, destiny. By the 1500s and the morphing of Middle English into Early Modern English, weird became extinct in the language as it was spoken in England. But weird remained part of the Scots lexicon, from which William Shakespeare borrowed the word for his great Scottish play Macbeth and his three weird sisters. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble, fillet of a fenny snake, in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog, adder's fork and a blind worm's sting, lizard's leg and an owlet's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble, double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. <laughs> Weird isn't actually used by Shakespeare in the first folio of Macbeth. The description of the witches is wayward. That's W-E-Y-W-O-R-D in Act 1, Scenes 3 and 5. And Wayard, that's W-E-Y-A-R-D in Acts 3, Scenes 1 and 4, and Act 4, Scene 1. Note to linguists, I'm doing my best with pronunciation and will happily take your corrections in the comments widget on my blog at cchart.me. That's c-c-h-a-r-t dot m-e. 
It's been suggested that Shakespeare probably spelled this word weird just as we spell it today, but due to the ignorance of the scribes copying his work, weird was misspelled. Despite the errant spelling, the meaning of weird in the Scottish play is a match for the word's Old English etymology. The weird sisters are seeresses who prophesy Macbeth's future. They are akin to the three fates in Greek mythology, revealing destiny and fortune. But, unlike the fates who are typically depicted as attractive goddesses in the forms of maiden, mother, and crone, Shakespeare's weird sisters are presented as hideous hags of a malevolent and unseemly nature. So, how did we get from a word that meant fate or fortune to our current understanding of weird as an adjective denoting strange characteristics? Circling back to Billy Shakes, 18th and 19th century productions of Macbeth featuring creepy versions of the three witches fostered a transformation in the definition of weird from uncanny or supernatural into an adjective denoting something that is odd, strange, or disturbingly different. By the 20th century, weird had largely shed its connotations to the otherworldly and was used with the greatest frequency as a synonym for eccentric, peculiar, odd, or kooky. I've been called weird or a weirdo too many times to count. And I'm sure some of you have been noted for your weirdness as well. Most of the time, especially when I was younger, weird was used as an epithet to call out my atypical behaviors. You see, when I was a tween, I had Tourette syndrome, a neurodevelopmental disorder that typically begins in childhood or adolescence. Most people seem to think the hallmark of Tourette is involuntarily screaming naughty words, but actually, coprolalia only affects about 10% of the people who have Tourette's. I had a very ordinary presentation of what was a psychosocially troubling condition. I was an eye roller, an eye blinker, and a throat clearer. Actually, I still am, but I've learned to drop into stealth mode with these manifestations of my compulsive urges. And I would say at this time, my Tourette's is subclinical. But for the record, my vocal tick sounds like this. <clears throat> my tick feels best in two parts, and I have to do both of them. <clears throat> in fifth grade, my Tourette's was on full display. I couldn't stop blinking my eyes and clearing my throat. These ticks actually gave me relief. They calmed my ever-present sense of panic and anxiety. As you might imagine, I looked quite peculiar traipsing the corridors of Margaret Sheehy Elementary School whilst twitching my eyes and clearing my throat. But I couldn't help it. I couldn't stop ticking no matter how hard I tried. Stop being so weird. I heard this from the popular girls at my school. The kids with feathered hair like Farrah Fawcett and Ditto's jeans. The kids who would become the mean girls of middle school. I can still see their eye rolls. Not all that different from my own, but theirs had context and meaning. Their eye rolls were a form of dismissive nonverbal commentary on my strangeness. Weirdo. My eye rolls were about sensation, about ameliorating the urges that lurked just below the surface of my consciousness. 
blinking and eye rolling were soothing and they helped me feel okay. They helped me get through my day. In his book, Naked, author David Sedaris reveals his fascination with his own obsessive behavior and the strange rituals that calmed him. The second essay in that collection is titled A Plague of Ticks, and the author states, Like was too feeble for what I felt. Touching objects satisfied a mental itch, but I soon found out those same urges could be fulfilled within the confines of my own body. I began rolling my eyes deep in their sockets, an exercise that produced quick jolts of intoxicating pain. I don't intend to imply that Mr. Sedaris had Tourette's. I am simply noting that his description of his experiences with repetitive behaviors is similar to my own. One cannot argue the weirdness David Sedaris so freely reveals in his numerous essay collections. A quick Google search of the author's name plus the word weird brings an abundance of commentary on his strangeness from the New York Times, Bustle, and even Mr. Sedaris' publisher, Little Brown and Company. I think it's fair to say David Sedaris is a weirdo in the very best sense of the word. I'd like to hijack the word weird in the same way that Eve Ensler recaptured Kant in her groundbreaking episodic play, The Vagina Monologues. She positively revels in the C word and riffs off of its connotations and associations, a form of linguistic reappropriation. There is something really interesting to me about the cultural process by which a person or group reclaims words that were historically used to humiliate them. For example, think of the ways in which the gay community has proudly reclaimed the word queer or the feminist embrace of the word bitch. Think of Eve Ensler welcoming the atom bomb of pejoratives, cunt. Capturing the word that was used to ridicule you is both transgressive and transformative. To me, it's the epitome of agency. As a person with documented neurocognitive differences, I've been called a weirdo as a way to shame me for my thoughts, my behaviors, my social interactions, and my needs. Labeling me as the weird one feels like a form of social control, a stigma that keeps me small. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I hope you are too. Let's out our weird selves. Let's wear our aberrations like an extravagant pageant sash. I'm weird. Say it with me. I'm weird. I'm weird. I'm weird. This is Cece Hart, and I want to thank you for joining me today. Let's connect in episode four of the Weird Sister podcast, where I'll introduce you to Stacy Denick, our Weird Sister audio producer. I'm really excited for you to meet her. You can always find me via my neurodiversity blog at cchart.me. That's C-C-H-A-R-T dot M-E. And please connect with me on Twitter or Instagram. You can find my links to social media on my website. May the weird be with you.